But now Sarpedon, watching his comrades drop and die, warshirts billowing free as Patroclus killed them, dressed his godlike Lycians down with a harsh shout, Lycians, where's your pride? Where are you running? Now be fast to attack. I'll take him on myself. See who he is who routs us, wreaking havoc against us, cutting the legs from under squads of good brave men. With that, he leapt from his chariot, fully armed, and hit the ground, and Patroclus straight across, as soon as he saw him, leapt from his car too. As a pair of crook-clawed, hook-beaked vultures swooped to fight, screaming above some jagged rock, so with their battle cries they rushed each other there. And Zeus, the son of Cronus, with Cronus' twisting ways, filling with pity now to see the two great fighters, said to Hera, his sister and wife, My cruel fate. My Sarpedon, the man I love the most, my own son, doomed to die at the hands of Manisha's son Patroclus. My heart is torn in two as I try to weigh all this. Shall I pluck him up now while he's still alive and set him down in the rich green land of Lycia, far from the war at Troy and all its tears? Or beat him down at Patroclus' hands at last? But Queen Hera, her eyes wide, protested strongly, Dread Majesty, son of Cronus, what are you saying? A man? A mere mortal, his doom sealed long ago? You'd set him free from all the pains of death? Do as you please, Zeus, but none of the deathless gods will ever praise you. And I tell you this, take it to heart, I urge you. If you send Sarpedon home, living still, beware. Then surely some other god will want to sweep his own son clear of the heavy fighting, too. Look down. Many who battle round King Priam's mighty walls are sons of the deathless gods you will inspire lethal anger in them all. No, dear as he is to you, and your heart grieves for him. Leave Sarpedon there to die in the brutal onslaught, beaten down at the hands of Manisha's son Patroclus. But once his soul and the life force have left him, send death to carry him home, send soothing sleep, all the way till they reach the broad land of Lycia. There his brothers and countrymen will bury the prince with full royal rights, with mounded tomb and pillar. These are the solemn honors owed the dead. So she pressed, and Zeus, the father of men and gods, complied at once. But he showered tears of blood that drenched the earth, showers in praise of him, his own dear son, the man Patroclus was just about to kill on Troy's fertile soil, far from his fatherland. Now as the two came closing on each other, Patroclus suddenly picked off Thrasymelus, the famous driver, the aide who flanked Sarpedon. He speared him down the guts and loosed his limbs. But Sarpedon hurled next with a flashing lance and missed his man, but he hit the horse Bold Dancer, stabbing his right shoulder and down the stallion went, screaming his life out, shrieking down in the dust as his life breath winged away. And the paired horses reared apart, a raspy creak of the yoke, the reins flying, fouled as the trace horse thrashed the dust in death throes. But the fine spearman Automedon found a cure for that. Drawing his long, sharp sword from his sturdy thigh, he leapt with a stroke to cut the trace horse free. It worked. The team righted, pulled at the reins, and again both fighters closed with savage frenzy, dueling now to the death. Again Sarpedon missed. Over Patroclus' left shoulder, his spearhead streaked. It never touched his body. Patroclus hurled next, the bronze launch from his hand. No miss. A mortal hit. He struck him right where the midriff packs the pounding heart, and down Sarpedon fell, as an oak or white poplar falls, or towering pine, that shipwrights up in a mountain hew down with wetted axes for sturdy ship timber. So he stretched in front of his team and chariot, sprawled and roaring, clawing the bloody dust. As the bull a marauding lion cuts from the herd, 
tawny and great-hearted among the shambling cattle, dies bellowing under the lion's killing jaws. So now Sarpedon, captain of Lish's shieldsmen, died at Patroclus' hands and died raging still, crying out his beloved comrade's name. Glaucus, oh dear friend, dear fighter, soldier, soldier, now is the time to prove yourself a spearman, a daring man of war. Now if you are brave, make grueling battle your one consuming passion. First find Lish's captains, range the ranks, spur them to fight and shield Sarpedon's body. Then you, Glaucus, you fight for me with bronze. You'll hang your head in shame every day of your life if the Argives strip my armor here at the anchored ships where I have gone down fighting. Hold on, full force. Spur all our men to battle. Death cut him short. The end closed in around him, swirling down his eyes, choking off his breath. Patroclus planted a heel against his chest, wrenched the spear from his wound, and the midriff came out with it, so he dragged out both the man's life breath and the weapon's point together. Close by, the Myrmidons clung to the panting stallion, straining to bolt away, free of their master's chariot. But grief came over Glaucus, hearing his comrade's call. His heart was racing. What could he do to help him? Wounded himself, he gripped his right arm hard, aching where Teucer's arrow had hit him squarely, assaulting the Argive wall, when Teucer saved his men. Glaucus cried a prayer to the distant deadly archer, Hear me, Lord Apollo, wherever you are now, in Lycia's rich green country or here in Troy, wherever on earth you can hear a man in pain, you have that power, and pain comes on me now. Look at this ugly wound. My whole arm rings with the stabbing pangs. The blood won't clot. My shoulder's a dead weight. I can't take up my spear, can't hold it steady. No wading into enemy ranks to fight it out. And our bravest man is dead, Sarpedon, Zeus's son. Did Zeus stand by him? Not even his own son. I beg you, Apollo, heal this throbbing wound, lull the pain now. Lend me power in battle so I can rally our Lycians, drive them into war, and fight to save my comrade's corpse myself. So Glaucus prayed, and Apollo heard his prayer. He stopped the pains at once, staunched the dark blood in his throbbing wound, and filled his heart with courage. And Glaucus sensed it all, and the man glowed with joy that the mighty god had heard his prayer so quickly. First, he hurried to spur his Lycian captains on, ranging his own ranks to fight around Sarpedon. Then he ran for the Trojan lines with long strides. He found Polydamus, Panthous' son, and Prince Agenor, and reaching Aeneas and Hector helmed in bronze, shoulder to shoulder let his challenge fly. Hector, you've wiped your allies from your mind, and all for you, Hector, far from their loved ones, far from native land, they bleed their lives away. But you won't lift a hand to fight beside them. There lies Sarpedon, lord of Lycia's shieldsmen, who defended his realm with just decrees and power. Ares has cut him down with Patroclus' brazen spear. Quick, my friends, stand by him. Cringe with shame at the thought they'll strip his gear and maim his corpse. These Myrmidons, seething for all the Argive troops we killed, we speared to death against their fast-trimmed ships. Hard grief came sweeping over the Trojans' heads, unbearable, irrepressible. He was their city's bastion, always, even though he came from foreign parts, and a mass of allies marched at his command, but he excelled them all in battle, always. So now... They went at the Argives out for blood, and furious for Sarpedon, Hector swung them round. But the Argives surged to Patroclus' savage spirit. He spurred the Iantes first, both ablaze for battle. Ajax, Ajax, come, now thrill to fight as before, brave among the brave, but now be braver still. Their captain's down, the first storm our wall, the great Sarpedon. If only we could seize his body, mutilate him, shame him, 
tear his gear from his back, and any comrade of his who tries to shield his corpse bring that enemy down with ruthless bronze. Urging so, but his men already burned to drive the Trojans off, and both armies now pulling their lines tighter, Trojans and Lycians, Myrmidons and Achaeans, closed around the corpse to lunge in battle, terrible war cries, stark clashing of armored men. And across the onslaught, Zeus swept murderous night to make the pitch battle over his own dear son a brutal, blinding struggle. Here at the first assault, the Trojan shouldered back the fiery-eyed Achaeans. A Myrmidon had been hit, and not their least man, dauntless Agacles' son, renowned Epigius. He ruled Budion's fortress town in the old days, but then, having killed some high-born cousin, fled to Peleus and glistening Thetis, begged for his own life, and they sent him off with Achilles, breaker of men, east to stallion country to fight and die in Troy. He had just grasped the corpse when Shining Hector smashed his head with a rock and his whole skull split in his massive helmet. Down he slammed on Sarpedon's body, face first and courage-shattering death engulfed his corpse. Grief for his dead companion seized Patroclus now. He tore through frontline fighters swift as a hawk diving to scatter crows and fear-struck starlings. Straight at the Lycians, Patroclus, oh my rider, straight at the pressing Trojan ranks you swooped, enraged at your comrade's death. And struck Sthenelaus, Ithimene's favorite son, a big rock to the neck, snapped the tendon strung to the skull's base. So the front gave ground, and flashing Hector too, though only as far as a long slim spear can fly, when a man tests his hurling strength in the games, or in war, when enemy fighters close to crush his life. So far the Trojans gave as the Argives drove them back. But Glaucus was first, lord of Lycia's shieldsman now, the first turn and he killed the gallant Bathycles, Calchon's prized son, who had made his home in Hellas, excelling the Myrmidons all in wealth and fortune. Now, just as the man was about to catch Glaucus, Glaucus suddenly spun and struck. He stabbed his chest, ripped him down with a crash. A heavy blow to the Argives. One of the brave ones down. A great joy to the Trojans, massing packs of them, swarming round the corpse, but Achaean forces never slacked their drive. Their juggernaut fury bore them breakneck on. And there, Meriones killed a Trojan captain, Laogonus, daring son of Onetor, priest of Zeus, Idean Zeus, and his land revered him like a god. Meriones gouged him under the jaw and ear, his spirit flew from his limbs and the hateful darkness gripped him. Just then, Aeneas hurled his brazen spear at Meriones, hoping to hit the man as he charged behind his shield. But he eyed Aeneas straight on, he dodged the bronze ducking down with a quick lunge, and behind his back the heavy spear shaft plunged and stuck in the earth, the butt end quivering into the air till suddenly rugged Ares snuffed its fury out, dead still. The weapon shaking, planted fast in the ground, his whole arm's power poured in a wasted shot, Aeneas flared in anger, shouting out, Meriones, great dancer as you are, my spear would have stopped your dancing days for good, if only I had hit you. The handy spearman Meriones shot back, Aeneas, great man of war as you are, you'll find it hard to quench the fire of every man who fights you. You too are made of mortal stuff, I'd say. And I, if I'd lanced your guts with bronze, strong as you are and cocksure of your hands, you'd give me glory now. You'd give your life to the famous horseman death. But Patroclus nerved for battle, dressed him down. Meriones, brave as you are, why bluster on this way? Trust me, my friend. You'll never force the Trojans back from this corpse with a few stinging taunts. Earth will bury many a man before that. Come, the proof of battle is action. 
proof of words debate. No time for speeches now. It's time to fight. Breaking off, he led the way as Meriones followed, staunch as a god. And loud as the roar goes up, when men cut timber deep in the mountain glades and the pounding din of axes echoes miles away, so the pound and thud of blows came rising up from the broad earth, from the trampled paths of war and the bronze shield, and the tough plied hides struck hard as the swords and two-edged spearheads stabbed against them. Not even a hawk-eyed scout could still make out Sarpedon, the man's magnificent body covered over head to toe, buried under a mass of weapons, blood, and dust. But they still kept swarming round and round the corpse like flies in a sheepfold, buzzing over the brimming pails in the first spring days when the buckets flood with milk. So veteran troops kept swarming round that corpse, never pausing, nor did mighty Zeus for a moment turn his shining eyes from the clash of battle. He kept them fixed on the struggling mass forever, the father spirit churning, thrashing out the ways, the numberless ways, to cause Patroclus slaughter. To kill him too, in this present bloody rampage over Sarpedon's splendid body? Hector in glory, cutting Patroclus down with hacking bronze, then tearing the handsome war gear off his back? Or let him still take more, piling up his kills? As Zeus turned things over, that way seemed the best, the valiant friend-in-arms of Peleus' son Achilles would drive the Trojans and Hector helmed in bronze back to Troy once more, killing them by platoons. And Zeus began with Hector. He made the man a coward. Hector, leaping back in his chariot, swerving to fly, shouted out fresh orders, Retreat, Trojans, now. He knew that Zeus had tipped the scales against him. A rout. Not even the diehard Lycians stood their ground. They all scattered in panic, down to the last man when they saw their royal king speared in the heart, Sarpedon sprawled there, in the muster of the dead, for men by the squad had dropped across his corpse once Zeus stretched height the lethal line of battle. So then the Achaeans ripped the armor off his back, Sarpedon's gleaming bronze that Menetius' son, the brave Patroclus, flung in the arms of cohorts, poised to speed those trophies back to the beak ships. And storming Zeus was stirring up Apollo, on with it now, sweep Sarpedon clear of the weapons, Phoebus, my friend, and once you wipe the dark blood from his body... Bear him far from the fighting, off and away, and bathe him well in a river's running tides and anoint him with deathless oils. Dress his body in deathless ambrosial robes. Then send him on his way with the wind-swift escorts, twin brothers, sleep and death, who with all good speed will set him down in the broad green land of Lycia. There his brothers and countrymen will bury the prince with full royal rites, with mounded tomb and pillar. These are the solemn honors owed the dead. So he decreed, and Phoebus did not neglect the father's strong desires. Down from Ida's slopes, he drove to the bloody field, and lifting Prince Sarpedon clear of the weapons, bore him far from the fighting, off and away, and bathed him well in a river's running tides, and anointed him with deathless oils, dressed his body in deathless ambrosial robes, then sent him on his way with the wind-swift escorts, twin brothers sleep in death, who with all good speed set him down in Lycia's broad green land. But Patroclus... Giving a cry to Automedon whipping on his team, Patroclus went for Troy's and Lycia's lines, blind in his fatal frenzy, luckless soldier. If only he had obeyed Achilles' strict command, he might have escaped his doom, the stark night of death. But the will of Zeus will always overpower the will of men. Zeus, who strikes fear in even the bravest man of war and tears away his triumph, all in a lightning flash, and at other times he will spur a man to battle, just as he urged Patroclus' fury now. Patroclus, who was the first you slaughtered, who the last, when the great gods called you down to death? First Adrestus, then Atanuus, 
then Ekeclus, then Paramus, Megas' son, Epistor, and Melanippus, then in a flurry, Elysus, Mulius, and Pilartes. He killed them all, but the rest were bent on flight. And then and there the Achaeans might have taken Troy, her towering gates toppling under Patroclus' power heading the vanguard, storming on with a spear. But Apollo took his stand on the massive rampart, his mind blazing with death for him, but help for Troy. Three times Patroclus charged the jut of the high wall, three times Apollo battered the man and hurled him back, the gods' immortal hands beating down on the gleaming shield. Then at Patroclus' fourth assault, like something superhuman, the god shrieked down his winging words of terror, Back, Patroclus, prince, go back. It is not the will of fate that the proud Trojan citadel fall before your spear, not even before Achilles, far greater man than you. And Patroclus gave ground, backing a good way off, clear of the deadly archer's wrath. But now Hector, reining his high-strung team at the sea and gates, debated a moment, waiting. Should he drive back to the rout and soldier on, or call his armies now to rally within the ramparts? As he turned things over, Apollo stood beside him, taking the shape of that lusty, rugged fighter Aeseus, an uncle of stallion-breaking Hector, a blood brother of Hecuba, son of Dimas, who lived in Phrygia near Sangarius Rapids. Like him, Apollo the son of Zeus incited Hector. Hector, why stop fighting, neglecting your duty? If only I outfought you as you can outfight me, I'd soon teach you to shirk your work in war. You'd pay the price, I swear. Up with you, fast. Lash those pounding stallions straight at Patroclus. You might kill him still. Apollo might give you glory. And back Apollo strode, a god in the wars of men, while glorious Hector ordered skilled sobrieties, flog the team to battle. Apollo pressed on, wading into the ruck, hurling Argives back in chaos and handing glory to Hector and all the Trojan forces. But Hector ignored the Argive masses, killing none. He lashed his pounding stallion straight at Patroclus. Patroclus, over against him, leapt down from his car and hit the ground, his left hand shaking a spear and seized with his right a jagged, glittering stone his hand could just cover. Patroclus flung it hard, leaning into the heave, not backing away from Hector, no, and no wasted shot. But he hit his driver, a bastard son of famed King Priam, Sobrianes yanking the reins back taut, right between the eyes. The sharp stone crushed both brows, the skull caved in, and both eyes burst from their sockets, dropping down in the dust before his feet as the reinsman vaulted, plunging off his well-wrought car like a diver. Sobrianes' life breath left his bones behind, and you taunted his corpse, Patroclus, oh my rider. Look, what a springy man, a nimble, flashy tumbler. Just think what he'd do at sea where the fish swarm, why the man could glut a fleet diving for oysters. Plunging overboard even in choppy heaving seas, just as he dives to the ground from his war car now, even these Trojans have their tumblers. What a leap. And he leapt himself at the fighting driver's corpse, with the rushing lunge of a lion struck in the chest as he lays waste to pens of cattle, his own lordly courage about to be his death. So you sprang at Sobriani's full fury, Patroclus, as Hector sprang down from his chariot just across, and the two went tussling over the corpse's lions up in the mountain ridges over a fresh-killed stag. Both ravenous, proud, and savage, fight it out to the death. So over the driver here, and both claw-mad for battle, Patroclus, son of Menetius, Hector ablaze for glory, strained to slash each other with ruthless bronze. Hector seized the corpse's head, would not let go, Patroclus clung to a foot, and other fighters clashed. Trojans, Argives, all in a grueling, maiming onset. 
As the east and south winds fight in killer squalls deep in a mountain valley, thrashing stands of timber, oak and ash and cornel with bark stretched hot and hard, and they whip their long, sharp branches against each other, a deafening roar goes up, the splintered timber crashing. So Achaeans and Trojans crashed, hacking into each other, and neither side now had a thought of flight that would have meant disaster. Showers of wetted spears struck fast around Sobrianes, bristling winged arrows whipped from the bowstrings, huge rocks by the salvo battering shields on shields as they struggled round the corpse. And there he lay in the whirling dust, overpowered in all his power, and wiped from memory all his horsemen's skills. So till the sun bestrode the sky at high noon, the weapons hurtled side to side, and men kept falling. But once the sun wheeled past the hour for unyoking oxen, then the Argives mounted a fiercer new attack, fighting beyond their fates. They dragged the hero Sobrianes out from under the pelting shafts and Trojans' piercing cries, and they tore the handsome war gear off his back. And Patroclus charged the enemy, fired for the kill. Three times he charged with the headlong speed of Ares, screaming his savage cry. Three times he killed nine men. Then at the fourth assault, Patroclus, like something superhuman. Then, Patroclus, the end of life came blazing up before you, yes. The Lord Apollo met you there in the heart of battle, the god, the terror. Patroclus never saw him coming, moving across the deadly route, shrouded in thick mist, and on he came against him, and looming up behind him now, slammed his broad shoulders and back with the god's flat hand, and his eyes spun as Apollo knocked the helmet off his head. Under his horse's hooves it tumbled, clattering on with its four forged horns and its hollow blank eyes. Its plumes were all smeared in the bloody dust. Forbidden before this to defile its crest and dust, it guarded the head and handsome brow of a god, a man like a god, Achilles. But now the father gave it over to Hector to guard his head in war since Hector's death was closing on him quickly. Patroclus, though, the spear in his grip was shattered, the whole of its rugged bronze-shod shadow-casting length, and his shield with straps and tassels dropped from his shoulders, flung down on the ground, and Lord Apollo, the son of Zeus, wrenched his breastplate off. Disaster seized him, his fine legs buckling. He stood there senseless. And now, right at his back, close up, a Dardan fighter speared him squarely between the shoulder blades with a sharp lance. Panthous son Euphorbus, the best of his own age at spears and a horseman's skill and speed of foot. And even in this, his first attack in chariots, just learning the arts of war, he'd brought down twenty drivers off their cars. He was the first to launch a spear against you, Patroclus, oh my rider, but did not bring you down. Yanking out his ashen shaft from your body, back he dashed and lost himself in the crowds. The man would not stand up to Patroclus here in mortal combat, stripped, defenseless as he was. Patroclus, stunned by the spear and the god's crushing blow, was weaving back to his own thronging comrades trying to escape death. Hector waiting, watching the great-hearted Patroclus trying to stagger free, seeing him wounded there with the sharp bronze, came rushing into him right across the lines and rammed his spear shaft home stabbing deep in the bowels, and the brazen point went jutting straight out through Patroclus' back. Down he crashed. Horror gripped the Achaean armies. As when some lion overpowers a tireless wild boar up on a mountain summit, battling in all their fury over a little spring of water, both beasts craving to slake their thirst, but the lion beats him down with sheer brute force as the boar fights for breath. So now with a close thrust, Hector, the son of Priam, tore the life from the fighting son of Menetius, from Patroclus, who had killed so many men in war, and gloried over him, wild-winging words. 
Patroclus, surely you must have thought you'd storm my city down, you'd wrest from the wives of Troy their day of freedom, drag them off in ships to your own dear fatherland. You fool. Rearing in their defense, my war team, Hector's horses were charging out to battle, galloping, full stretch. And I with my spear, Hector shining among my combat-loving comrades. I fight away from them the fatal day. But you, the vultures, will eat your body raw. Poor, doomed. Not for all his power could Achilles save you now, and how he must have filled your ears with orders as you went marching out and the hero stayed behind. Now don't come back to the hollow ships you hear. Patroclus, master horseman, not till you slashed the shirt around his chest and soaked it red in the blood of man-killing Hector. So he must have commanded. You maniac. You obeyed. Struggling for breath, you answered, Patroclus, oh, my rider. Hector, now is your time to glory to the skies. Now the victory is yours. A gift of the son of Cronus, Zeus, Apollo too. They brought me down with all their deathless ease. They are the ones who tore the armor off my back. Even if twenty Hectors had charged against me, they'd all have died here laid low by my spear. No, deadly fate in league with Apollo killed me. From the ranks of men, Euphorbus, you came third, and all you could do was finish off my life. One more thing, take it to heart, I urge you. You too, you won't live long yourself, I swear. Already I see them looming up beside you. Death and the strong force of fate to bring you down at the hands of Aeacus' great royal son, Achilles. Death cut him short. The end closed in around him. Flying free of his limbs, his soul went winging down to the house of death, wailing his fate, leaving his manhood far behind his young and supple strength. But glorious Hector taunted Patroclus' body, dead as he was. Why, Patroclus? Why prophesy my doom, my sudden death? Who knows? Achilles, the son of sleek-haired Thetis, may outrace me, struck by my spear first, and gasp away his life. With that, he planted a heel against Patroclus' chest, wrenched his brazen spear from the wound, kicked him over, flattened his back, free and clear of the weapon. At once he went for Automedon with that spear, quick as a god, the aid of swift Achilles, keen to cut him down, but his veering horses swept him well away, magnificent racing stallions, gifts of the gods to Peleus, shining immortal gifts.